0: Father, we pray that you would speak to us now, that we would hear your voice, that we would see your grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Up on the north coast at near Benoon. Uh, there is a maize maze. Uh, that is it 's a maize that has been cut in a field of maize, of, of corn uh, now i 'm not sure if it 's an amazing maze, maize because i haven 't been it i haven 't been there i haven 't done it, uh, but maybe if you 're up next summer, you can have a go at nearer home uh, there's the peace maize in Castlewellan Forest Park. Now, I'm not sure if it's called the Peace Maze because you send the kids in and get peace for half an hour while they try to find their way around it. Uh, Has anyone done the Castlewellan maze? Anyone? Garfield has done it. Very good. Evelyn has done it. Few people have done it. Uh, Well, even if you haven't done it, I'm sure you know how mazes work. You start at the start, and you have to find your way to the end and in Castlewellan you get to ring the bell to say that you found your way through it. But as I'm sure you know, it's not just as straightforward as following one path the whole way from the start to the finish. Inside the maze there are lots of options, there are lots of ways that seem right, but that eventually turn into dead end. As we come to Genesis 4, and it would be good to have it open in front of you, it's as if we are stepping into a maze. We are on the hunt for the Saviour promised by God after Adam and Eve had messed everything up in the Garden of Eden. That's what we saw last week in chapter 3. Paradise was lost through the disobedience of Adam and Eve. They had one rule to keep, and they disobeyed it. So they knew shame and guilt because of their sin. They expected to die straight away because they deserved to die straight away. But God showed mercy in covering their sin, and grace in promising a saviour. I look back to the promise just back a page, chapter three, verse fifteen. Uh, God says uh, to the serpent, uh, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Adam and Eve have been kicked out of Eden, but that promise is still ringing in their ears. And the hunt is on. Who is the offspring of Eve? who will crush the serpent's head and win the victory over sin and death and hell. Now, we know that the offspring that we're waiting for is Jesus. But Adam and Eve don't know that. And so they are just stepping into the maze. They're looking for the next step for the right path to lead them to the victory. And in verse 1 in our chapter today, Uh, chapter 4, verse 1. It looks as if God's promise has been fulfilled already. In just one step, it looks as if Adam and Eve are on the right path. After all, God had said that it would be the woman's offspring. And here we have the very first birth of the very first baby in the whole world. Adam and Eve are pleased to announce the birth of their first son, Cain, mother and baby doing well. So well, in fact, that Eve says there in verse 1: with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. At the name Cain, it sounds like brought forth or acquired. And Eve thinks that she has acquired the child of promise. She thinks she's got the Saviour already. Uh, with Abel's birth, there are no special words recorded. Because he's not Cain. Uh, and so, uh, as the chapter continues, when the boys grow up, they decide to diversify their farming, Cain going into arable, and Abel working with livestock. And in due course, they bring an offering to the Lord. Uh, it's like the very first harvest Thanksgiving. Uh, Cain brings some of the fruits of the soil, Abel brings fat portions from some of his firstborn sheep. And God accepts one, but not the other. Look at verse 4. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. So, why the difference? Why did God accept one? and not the other. Uh, Some people think that Abel's involved blood, whereas Cain's didn't, and that might be part of the answer. Or that Abel's was from the firstborn of his flock. It was, you know, the the, the first uh, lamb that had been born. Uh, Whereas Cain just brought some of the fruits of the soil. Perhaps. But notice that it wasn't just the offerings that were accepted or rejected. It was the offerer as well. In First John 3, we're told that Cain's actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. You see, God knows our hearts and he knows the motives and attitudes behind our actions. And so Cain doesn't receive God's favour and it leads him to get angry. Do you see how the Lord shows him grace? tries to help him, tries to turn him. God says to him, why are you angry? Verse 6, why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Cain has a choice to make. Just like his parents, he has heard God's word to him. So what will he do? Will he do the right thing? Will he do the wrong thing? Sin is pictured as crouching at the door, just waiting to pounce, to take over. It desires to have Cain. It desires to have us. But he is to master it. Now, sadly, we see that the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Cain rejects God's word, attacks his brother, and murders him. And do you see how Abel is referred to in verses 8 and 9? He's not just Abel, he is your brother Abel, or his brother Abel. A reminder of who he is, the, the connection he has to. So much for brotherly love. And so the Lord speaks to Cain again, asking, where is your brother Abel? And do you see how Cain responds? I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? To which the answer should be, yes, you should be. But sin has mastered Cain. Pride at which refuses to repent. Envy which resents his brother. Murder to snuff out An image-bearer of God. Are we our brother's keeper, our sister's keeper? We should be caring for and protecting those who need our help, especially those who have no voice of their own, those whose blood will cry out like the blood of Abel, God says, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you're under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Cain is sent to be a restless wanderer, protected by the mark put put upon him so that no one will kill him. And if anyone does kill him, that there will be vengeance seven times over. And so Cain leaves under God's curse and goes to live in the land of Nod. A place I hope that none of us are in this morning. Cain is obviously not the promised saviour. If anything, he's part of the serpent's offspring under the power of sin and the kingdom of darkness. But his dead end pathway goes a little bit further. We're told about his city. We're told about his family, his generations. And then it all comes to a head with that man called Lama. Here we see uh, the fruit of Cain's lifestyle, the end result of his disobedience. Lamech takes two wives, not just one. His family seems to be very innovative and entrepreneurial, uh, developing tents and musical instruments and tools. And yet, he seems thoroughly unpleasant. Listen to his poem. Can you imagine being married to him? Verse 23. He says to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my, voice, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. There's an escalation of violence there. A full flowering of the fruit of wickedness the serpent's offspring to the sixth generation. And so by the time that we get to Lamech, it's very obvious that we have reached a dead end. We aren't going to find the saviour in this family line. We need to go back to where we started from and try another path. And that's what we see in verse 25. We're back to the start. Adam and Eve had had another son. Eve calls him Seth, which means granted. God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. And in due course, Seth has a son, Enosh. And we are back on the right line. Now, it's not that Seth or Enosh were perfect. It's not that they have never sinned. Of course, they did. But something new is happening. At that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. We're on the right track. The search for the saviour is on. The hunt for the one who will crush the serpent's head. And yet even in this chapter, we are getting pointers to Jesus, signs along the way, echoes and glimpses of what our saviour will be like when he comes. You see, despite the fiercest of temptations, he never gave in, not even once. He had full control and was fully obedient to God's will. He was and is his brother's and sister's keeper, perfectly loving and caring for us. Indeed, giving up his own life for us, perfectly demonstrating what brotherly love looks like. That's a theme that's picked up in the early part of Hebrews. How Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. He offered not just a firstborn lamb. He offered himself the lamb of God. Making the one complete and all sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. As he died on the cross. Abel was murdered because of his acceptable offering. But Jesus was the acceptable offering. And because of the cross, Jesus' blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, as we heard in Hebrews chapter 12. Abel's blood cried out to God, and what did it cry? It cried out for justice, for vengeance. And what is the better word that Jesus' blood speaks? It speaks grace, mercy, pardon. You see, we all find ourselves by birth and by choice to be sons of the serpent. Sin isn't just something that we do occasionally. It is our operating system. It's a part of us. It infects everything that we do. But the woman's offspring has won the victory and in his blood we find our peace. Only through Jesus' blood can we be forgiven and cleansed and set free. To depend on anyone else or to depend on ourselves is to continue to wander in that maze, dead end after dead end. But Jesus gives us victory and freedom and life and peace. Will you call on the name of the Lord today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus, which speaks a better word. We thank you that in him we have forgiveness and pardon and peace. We pray, Father, that you would help us to know that joy. As we trust in Jesus today, we ask this in his precious name. Amen.